you can praise Him. Amen. Hallelujah. When you're in the wilderness, you can praise Him when you're confronting Goliath in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's do it one more time. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. When God's time meets your time. Amen. This is so powerful, a revelation. When God's time meets your time. I want you to take you to Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Let's start with Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As Saul, this he is referring to Saul who later became Paul. So as Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus. He was journeying to persecute the church. He was journeying to arrest Christians and throw them into jail. He was journeying to kill Christians. That was his agenda. That was the event in his calendar. But his time was interrupted by God's time. And suddenly... Suddenly, there was an intervention from heaven. Suddenly, God's time invaded into his time. And suddenly, heaven shone round about him. Suddenly, angels ministered to him. And suddenly, there shined round about him a light from heaven. Light, that's what we need, church. Light. Suddenly, there shined round about him a light from heaven. So what Paul was having, he was having a prophetic moment in his life. A prophetic moment that enhanced him. A prophetic moment that exalted him. A prophetic moment that changed him forever. We need to have these prophetic moments in our lives. Amen. Lift up your hands and receive them. We need to have these encounters with God, these prophetic moments when eternity invaded into our temporary existence on the earth. We want the invasion of eternity, amen, into our temporary existence. Our prophetic moments are life-changing, life-enhancing moments. As soon as the light came, your vision will be enhanced. You would see a lot sharper. You would see a lot brighter. You would see a lot clearer. Let's continue. So as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. This is verse 4. Acts chapter 3, verse 4. And he fell to the earth. So the light had so much power that it struck him down. When light came into your life, you would fall into the presence of God. You would be humbled by his presence. You would know your failability. You would realize how much you need him. Amen. So he fell to the earth. And then his ears were opened. His ears were opened and he heard a voice. Now at that time he still did not know what that was. So he heard a voice saying unto him. Remember, this is saying unto Saul, not saying to the people around him. The people around him heard a voice, but the voice was not distinguishable to them. Remember, when God speaks to you, it may be that the 
people around you, they don't hear what you're hearing. So the, the people around Saul did not hear what he was hearing, but he heard it. He said, the voice said to him, Saul, Saul. The number one thing that God would speak and minister to your life is that he's your personal God. He knows you by name. Saul, Saul. This guy who was so fanatical for God, he was so fanatically religious. He definitely wanted God, but he didn't know God. That's why he was religious. But when God's voice broke into his consciousness and calling him by name, calling him by name. You know what's the, what's the most important word to you? Your name. Your name is the most precious to you. And when he heard God calling his personal name and asking him, Saul, Saul, why persecute you me? Well, God takes his church personally. You think that you are just against the church? You think that you're just against someone in the church? You think you're, you just dislike the pastor in your church? You just dislike your brothers and sisters in the church? No, you are disliking Jesus. Because we are members of his body. So Jesus did not ask Saul, why did you persecute my church? I mean, that was strong enough. That will be strong enough. But no, Jesus said, why did you persecute me? So Jesus took it personally. Every one of us. He took our hurts personally. He took us personally. We're part of him. And listen to this. Saul was smart enough. Here is the change. He said, who are you, Lord? He was smart enough to talk to this invisible person. This invisible person who is not visible to his physical senses. He said to this physical, he said to this invisible person, who are you? And then he called him Lord. The word Lord means my master, my boss. What's happening? He humbled himself. He did not argue. He did not say, what do you mean? Who are you? No, he was humbled. As soon as he saw the light, as soon as he felt the light, as soon as he heard the voice, his, he had a switch in his mind. He switched. He switched from religious pride to spiritual humility. He humbled himself. And as soon as he humbled himself, the Lord addressed him and told him, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And then Jesus warned him. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Revelation broke out into his consciousness the moment he humbled himself. The moment he humbled himself, Jesus revealed himself to him and warned him about what he's doing. And then look at verse 6. And he trembling and astonished. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, 
Lord, what will you have me to do? He was apologetic. He was very, very sorry and repentant for what he was doing to the Lord, for he were, what he was doing, for what he was doing out of his religious uh, ideas and out of his deception and out of his ignorance. And Jesus said to him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. Remember, the revelation was progressive. Jesus did not tell him about his whole life. And the same way, this is the way we walk with God. God might have only told you the things that are going to happen in your life one day at a time. Or even one afternoon at a time. Or even one moment at a time. Even one second or one minute or one hour or two hours. But it's as we walk, as we obey, as we listen, then more and more and more will be unfolded. More and more and more will be revealed. And more and more blessings will come to you. Your obedience to his inward, his, your obedience to his rhema word will determine what you will be having in your future. Your present will build your future. Your present will build your future. That's what happened to him. And I want you to continue in verse 7, and the men which journeyed, the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice. They could hear a voice. Definitely there's something happening. Definitely there's a voice, but we couldn't really tell. But seeing no man, look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. And saw a rose from the earth. That's his act of faith. That's his act of obedience. Remember, James said, show me your faith and I will show you my faith by my work, by my walk, by my work. And saw so arose from the earth. He was no longer fallen. He picked himself up. He had heard God. And when his eyes were open, he saw no man. He couldn't see anything. He couldn't see nobody. But was led by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. How did they know that it's Damascus? Saul told them. Because only Saul heard Jesus. So he obeyed the voice that he heard. He obeyed by faith. He obeyed by faith. And then verse 9, and he was three days. Number is very prophetic. Number carry the spiritual significance. Okay, we'll go to that another day. Numbers. So he was there three days without sight, without natural sight, without human sight. Okay, he was Three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. He entered into a fast. He entered into an absolute fast. He did not eat. He did not drink. What was he doing? Verse 10. What was he doing? What was he doing? Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. What was he doing? He was waiting on the Lord. 
He was waiting on the Lord. For three days, he waited on God. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. For three days, he waited on God. Now, I want to recap this because it's so important. Amen. The breaking of the light into the realm of his consciousness. Amen. The breaking from eternity into his natural, temporary, and presumptuous life. We need to know that we live in the natural and we live in the temporary. And a lot of times we live our lives out of presumption. Always know that there is a bigger picture that we are not aware of. There is a realm of the truth that no matter how hard Saul studied, he couldn't get into. And also there's a miraculous realm that Saul had never experienced. So he was smart enough to humble himself. He was smart enough to humble himself. Amen. And as soon as he humbled himself, Jesus delivered him from spiritual blindness and delivered him from spiritual deafness. His ears were opened to hear the voice of Jesus. His eyes naturally closed but spiritually opened to the realm of the Spirit. Amen. And what happened was that for three days, he waited on God. What was he doing? He was living on the cutting edge between the natural and the supernatural. And not one moment did he fall into self-pity. Not one moment did he fall into doubt and unbelief. He became fully settled. He became fully persuaded to commit himself to fully serve the true and the living God who knows him personally, who has touched him personally. His, his choice to serve God was by his own will. It was a choice that he had made. It was a decision that he had made. And with that choice, with that decision, Jesus appeared to Ananias and sent Ananias all the way to Saul to open his eyes. Can we say amen? It was that moment of repentance. It was that moment of salvation that opened heaven's blessing to flood into the lives of Paul. And he never turned back. He never looked back. And his life became more and more glorious. His life became more and more anointed, more and more powerful, and more and more victorious. Can we say amen? We are here in church. You are here in church because you've had a life-changing moment when God's prophetic time met your natural and personal time. If you could recall, church was such a beautiful and important place to you when you first got born again. 
Church is our place of guidance, our place of provision, our place of empowerment. I remember when I first got born again, I was so excited all the time to go to church. Church is my place where I can meet God, I can encounter God, I can hear God, I can receive His power, where I can fellowship with His Word and with His people. How did I get born again? I got born again in a home group. Sunny and I, we moved all the way from Hong Kong to Bangkok, Thailand, because Sunny was to start his job there. So I was there. Uh, I was there um, with my son. Uh, my daughter was not yet born. I was there uh, with my son. And, uh, and at that time, because we were having our unit built, so we were living in a condominium with other people. You know, there were other units and other families. And then... Um, one day, my mother had passed away, and uh, my son was, you know, up there at home. I was on my way to work. At that time, I owned a fashion boutique, and uh, I was on my way to work. Sunny had gone to work, and while I was on my way to work, because I had to call a tuk-tuk, because I couldn't drive then to go to work. And while I was on my way there, going, you know, going down the stairs, going out of the gate, about to call the tuk-tuk, my maid, or my nanny, who's taking care of Dylan for me, he, she was rushing downstairs, and she called me, Madame, Madame, Madame. And she said that uh, my son was crying frenetically, you know, frenetically, saying that grandma was wanting to take him with her. I was, I was in shock and in fear because my mother had passed away. So if my mom wanted to take him with her, that would mean that, you know, my son would pass away too. And definitely I didn't want that. And, and so I was like, in a moment, I was in fear and I didn't know what to do. I wasn't, I was a Catholic, but I was not a spirit-filled, you know, word-knowing Christian. And so I asked my nanny, I said, what should we do? And she said, let's go to the Buddhist temple because they can say a prayer uh, over your son. And they would give you uh, like a string, like a string that you can tie on his wrist and that would protect his soul from whatever that's trying to take his soul away from him. And I said, that's a good idea, let's go. And the minute I said, let's go, the voice of God is like, in my heart that was so strong within me and the voice said have you forgotten me and i was like no i have not forgotten you and for, and i said like very very automatically spontaneously i said to my nanny no 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 i can't go to a buddhist temple i can't and then not long after that because, you know, we had neighbors. Not long after that, my neighbor, because, you know, Dylan had been playing with their daughter, Hannah. They were always playing by the swimming pool together. So I got to know them. And then they invited us to their home group. And so Sunny and I, we accepted the invitation because we, we didn't have many friends over there. So we accepted the invitation and we went to their home group. And then... 
As soon as I got into their home group and they started singing the songs and they started to worship, I was so overwhelmed by the presence of God and I did not know for whatever reason. I just kept crying and crying and crying and tears just kept, you know, flowing. Tears just kept coming to me and coming out of my eyes. I was weeping and crying and crying. It was like I became so touched. I became so moved by the presence of God. And Sonny was very embarrassed and he asked me, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. And I kept crying and crying and crying. I believe that I was saved, born again from that moment on. And I became so desperate for God. I became so hungry for Him. I became so thirsty after Him. I wanted to know Him because I didn't know Him before. I wanted to know Him. I wanted to know Him. I didn't know And so I attended every service. I attended their Bible studies. I attended their services. And I loved my church. It was an AOG church. And I loved my church. And there was one time, because, you know, my son was, of course, very dear to me because he's my first child. And somebody said to me, invited me, because I attended this um, believers um, organization called the Aglow. When I attended Aglow, somebody said to me, there's another church over there not far from you, which is an evangelical church. Uh, They had a very, very beautiful premise, and they have a very beautiful Sunday school. And I said, okay, I'll go and have a look. So I went to that church, and definitely the Sunday school was so beautiful. The premises were so beautiful, and everything was so beautiful. But when I attended the service, I didn't feel the presence of God. I didn't feel the anointing. I didn't feel sort of like involved in the service. I felt like a, an outsta- uh, what do you call that? Like an outsider, not an insider. But my mind said to me, that the Sunday school would be a lot better for your son. But my heart said to me, no, that's not where God had told you to go. So I rebuked and I refused that invitation in my head. And from that moment on, I stayed in the church that God had told me and called me to, a small Pentecostal church that wasn't like very well finished. And I started serving God I serve God, number one, I started with the toddler's church. I started with the Sunday school church. And I was serving God and I was teaching the little ones how to sing songs. I was telling them stories. And I got involved in the church and I started to serve. And I started to serve in the music team. And I started to open my house and I started to host home groups. And then I started to learn how to play the guitar because there was nobody to begin with to play the guitar when we had home group. And I loved the worship songs. So I had a teacher that would come home and taught me how to play the guitar. I mean, just the basics. And we started having home group in our church. And I became so involved, and I became so involved in the church, and I was serving. I love my church. I love my pastors. I love my brothers and sisters. We had change of pastors because it's an AOG church. You know, the pastor didn't always stay there for long. But we did have a pastor that stayed a lot longer. And even up to today, whenever I would go to Bangkok, I would still visit the church. The pastors now, they don't know me, but I know the church. It's still my home church. And whenever Sonny goes to Bangkok, he still goes to that church. So that's why I can tell you that it's the Lord who had put me in that church. I was smart enough to ask him. 
I mean, I had that enough sense to ask the Lord, what church do you want me to go to? I was marked enough. If you look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and Acts chapter 7, verse 3, how many of you want to hear the voice of God? Lift up your hands. You have to start practicing asking him. Don't just make your own decisions. Ask him. Practice asking him for advice. Practice asking him for leading and guidance. Practice asking him for instructions. What you're doing is you're practicing. You're practicing to hear his voice. You're practicing to obey his voice. Hear his voice is one thing. Obeying his voice is another. And also, if you don't obey his voice, why would he talk to you? And if you don't obey his written word, why do you want to hear him? The Lord knows, right? So if you look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and this is repeated in Acts chapter 7, verse 3. This is about Abraham. This is what God said to Abraham. He said, get you out of your country and from your kindred and come into the land which I shall show you. It's like, can you just show me now? Please, I want to see where I'm going in the map. I want to see where I'm going with my GPS. Can you just show me? No. Twice, verily, verily, in Genesis and Acts, Abraham had to obey the voice of God, not knowing where he went. That's called obedience by faith. Obedience by faith. I wanted God's guidance more than anything else. That's the desire of my heart. That's the hunger of my soul. It was his provision, his leading that had led me all the way from Thailand to Brisbane. I had no idea where we were going, whether it's Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane. I had no idea until the Lord clearly showed us that is Brisbane. I had no idea that Mackenzie would be where our home would be until the Lord showed me. I was there. I just loved that place so much. Sonny had just put a small deposit on that piece of land. And I said, Sonny, this is it. This is it. This is it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you ask me, Pastor Dora, did God lead you with an audible voice? No. No. I have heard the audible voice of God, but not often. Not all the time. I have to discern the voice of God. Now listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. We don't hear the voice of God. We discern. The voice of God. Because the voice of God have to compete with the voice of self. The voice of the situations and circumstances around you. The voice of your head. And the voice of the tempter. The voice of the distractor. The voice of the devil. So in the midst of all these voices, you need to discern the voice of God. Even prophets, they don't always hear the audible voice of God. Why well, you say, 
Why didn't God, why doesn't God make it easier for me to hear his voice? Why not? Because it's not his desire for you to be a puppet. Your life in Christ Jesus, my life in Christ Jesus, is not just made up of God. It's made up of Christ in me. God is not going to dominate your free will. He's not going to boss you. He's not going to kick you. No. God wants you to live out your life. And your life is your choice. Your life is made out of your decisions. Your life is made out of your priorities. Your life is made out of your values. Your life is made out of your faith. Your life is made out of your obedience. Your life is made out of your desires. That's what makes you significantly, individually you. So when you go to heaven, you don't go to heaven as a parrot of God. You go to heaven as an individual, unique person who is fully you. How many of you have got that? So when we are in heaven, we are not all the same. We don't have a cookie cutter, you know, we're all the same. No, when we meet each other in heaven, we'll all be different with all of our disposition, with all of our virtues, with all of our desires completely fulfilled in the Lord. Isn't that great? Amen. Hallelujah. So remember that you are not in the business of becoming God's puppet or parrot. You are God's specially, specially anointed, guided, called, equipped individual by your beautiful name. He knows you and he calls you by name. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Well, you see, you ask me, well, Pastor Dora, will there be times that, you know, the voice that I hear that I think is my voice would be the same as God's voice? Absolutely true. Sometimes you hear the voice of God and you think that is you. Why? Because you have become so alike with God. Because you have become so immersed in his will, so immersed in the desire of his heart because you are one spirit with him. His desire has become your desire. His will has become your will. Amen. That's awesome, isn't it? That's called synchronizing with God. Amen. Hallelujah. God's voice has a signature. It's like, remember in the book of Genesis when they were, you know, after they had uh, taken the, the fruit that God told them not to eat, right? So they were hiding in fear, in shame, in guilt from the presence of God. Instead of running to God's presence, sin had driven them away from God. But they could still hear the steps of God. They could still hear that God was drawing closer. Well, what do you mean God is a spirit? What do you mean hearing the steps, hearing the footsteps of God? They, yes, they had lost, understand that the fall did not happen 
it happened progressively. They still had a little bit, maybe a residue of their spiritual senses. They could still hear God. They could still hear the signature voice of God's steps. Amen. So that's why they could tell that God was drawing closer and closer to them. So when you hear the voice of God, you know there is a knowing in you. There is a knowing in you. And you know, and you know, and you know that is God's voice. And you know, and you know, and you know that that's God's will. And you know, and you know, and you know, even though no, nobody agrees with you, even though it doesn't, sh- it doesn't look like it's the voice of God, but you know, and you know, and you know. Why? Because Jesus said, my sheep hears my voice. Every one of us, we know. Don't allow circumstances and situations, your brain, your education to bury that voice. Amen. Lift up your hands and say, I know the voice of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So when I go to a church, what am I looking for? I'm looking for that reality. I've been a Catholic for a long time. When I, look, when I go to a church, when I go to a meeting, when I go to a conference, I look for the reality. The reality of the word. When I was a Catholic, I went to a mass, I went to a church, but I did not study the Word of God. Yes, we had Bible study, we had home group, but I did not have the revelation. The Word of God was not personal. The Word of God was not real to me. I had no rhema word. I had no revelation. I had no understanding. But when I got born again, the Scripture came alive for me. The word speak to me. The word becomes so so important to me, so personal to me, so real to me. It's like I'm born again and again and again every day. It's like I can't have enough of the word of God. I can't put down the word of God. It is so powerful to me. It is so important to me. I mean, King James English started talking to me. I don't mind King James anymore. I can understand all the thou's and shall's and thy and all that. You know, it's so alive to me. And when God told me that we're going to leave Thailand, he gave me the entire story of how Abraham was summoned to leave his homeland to a place where God would show him. And then it came to pass in my life. So I'm looking, I'm looking whenever in a church, I'm not looking for people, I'm not looking for friends, I'm looking for the living, pulsating word of God. The presence of God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what I look for. That revelation. That rhema word. That's current. The rhema word is the word of God that's current. That's current to your situations and your circumstances. So it's like with this rain that's going on. What is the will of God? Is it the will of God for me to just sit here and wait for this rainstorm to pass? With the war that's going on, is it the will of God for me to just sit there and just... You know, watch the news and just feel sympathetic towards them. No, God has a special will. God has a special plan. God has an unction. God has a calling that you need to do. Every Christian need to rise up and bind this torrential rain. Bind this, this rainstorm. Command it to go. Command it to leave. And knowing that you have the authority. And knowing that you have the authority to do so. You have the positional authority. 
You have been lifted up above the natural realm into the spiritual realm, into the supernatural realm. And every demon, every devil is under your feet. Can we say amen? And you're happy to rise up and be counted. Can we say amen? Amen. And then I will continue. Yes, Getcho, could you start now? Yeah. In chapter 1 and also chapter 2, amen, a church is called a lampstand. So if a church is a lampstand, that means the church is where there is light. The light is the revelation because only in his light can we see light. So it's important for us to grow by the brightness of that light and also grow in us the capacity to receive the light, to shine that light, okay? So your home church is where you are fused. You receive the fuse to become the light of the world is where you are energized to become the children of light. You should always leave your Sunday service energized, you should always leave your Sunday service charged up, ready to take the whole world, ready to defeat the devil. As far as the lampstand is concerned, a lampstand without oil, can it burn? No. A lampstand without oil will not burn. Who is the oil? The Holy Spirit is the oil that keeps the lampstand Burning. So the church is where the anointing falls on us corporately. Remember, when did the day of Pentecost happen? When they were all gathered in the upper room, right? In obedience to the commandment of Jesus. Amen. So the church is God's testimony to the world that he is active and alive. People know if they want God, if they want to look for God, they know church is where they can find God. Isn't that right? A lampstand without life cannot burn either. So your life, if it's spiritually dead, if the church is spiritually dead, no matter how friendly everybody is, no matter how friendly everybody is to each other, the church will not shine for Jesus. Because it's a dead church. It's just a social club. Everybody can be nice to everybody. And we're not, we not talking about the human love. We're talking about the divine love. The divine love that God puts in your heart that you would wake up and pray for the person that God has told you to pray for. Can we say amen? And if you look at John chapter 1 verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light. So in the church is the life, the life of God, and also in the church that is the light of God. A church, a Christian church, is supernatural by design. Super, sp spirituality is our default position. What do you mean by a default position? It's like when you don't know what to do, when everything seems to go wrong, it's like your default position is not fear. 
Your default position is not confusion. Your default position is not shock. Your default position is your spirituality, your faith in God, your calmness in Him, your safety in Him, your security in Him. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Your default position is the position of signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. Not having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The Bible says from such turn away. Your church is where your spirit is fed. Your church is where you keep burning. Amen. Your church is where you receive protection from demonic attacks and demonic traps. It's where you are made wise to make wise decisions. Your church is where you are made discerning. It's where you are made sharp in the spirit, keeping you in your prophetic path. Jesus is the way, amen, keeping you in the way. And Jesus is the word. When you're in the word, you're in the way. You're in the prophetic way. You're not going, you know, wherever you want. You're in God's prophetic way. And it's very important that when you come, you come to church prepared. What do I mean by that? You cannot receive rhema if you don't have logos, Logos is the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. It is your duty to read your Logos every day. You should be reading your Bible every day. There is no excuse for that. Time is in your hand. You can set aside time. So it is your duty to read your Logos. And when you have your Logos, Rhema comes out of the Logos. Rhema comes out of the Logos. The, the word that you're reading start to speak to you. The daily devotional that you don't understand, that you don't know, suddenly is right for you for that particular day, for that particular time. Why? Because you have been faithful. You have been faithful with what has been given to you, so more will be given to you. Amen. You have been faithful to make use of the blessings that God has given to you. The church is your blessing. The word of God is your blessing. And you have been faithful to use the blessings that God has been giving to you. So you will have the blessings that you don't even know that are there for you. The blessing of guidance. The blessing of divine health. The blessing of divine connections. And they just come to you and surprise you beautifully. Can we say amen? How many of us want to be surprised beautifully? Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. It's so, so important. Let me ask you, can you read the Bible if you don't know your alphabets? I mean, I'm talking about an English Bible. Can you read your English Bible if you don't know the alphabets? No, no. So the same way, if you don't know your logos, you won't know your rhema. You don't even know that is rhema when, when it comes to you. So every one of us, when we come to church, we should come to church expectant and come to church prepared. Amen. I prepare myself every morning. You can ask my husband. I prepare every morning. Oh, it's Wednesday. We'll be praying in church anyway. But I still pray in the morning. It's Sunday. We'll be praying in church anyway. I still pray in the morning. Because there is a personal life. And there is a corporate life. Your personal life will flow out into your corporate life. And that's how you won't be a hypocrite. 
Your personal life is solid. Your corporate life will be blessed. Your personal life is faithful. Your corporate life will be blessed. Can we say amen? Amen. Church is a place where we bless people. Church is the place where you can bless your brothers and sisters, where you can bless your pastor, where you can bless the children of the church, where you can bless Jesus, the head of the church, where you can bless God who has given us the church. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. We are not in the bless me, bless me, bless me club. Give me, give me, give me club. We are in the giving, giving and giving club. Amen. Hallelujah. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Give and it shall be given unto you. Amen. Hallelujah. Press down and shaken together and running over will men give unto you. Amen. So that becomes our lifestyle. Can we say amen? So what is the church? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. The church is called, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. The church is called the house of God. The house of God. The church of the living God. Can you read the last line together with me? The pillar and ground of the truth. The pillar and the ground of the truth. It's very, very important that we know the truth. Jesus said you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It's so important that you read your Bible. It is so important that you read your Bible, that you set aside time for your Bible. It's so important that you listen to anointed teaching about the truth. Because I was a Catholic for a long time and I didn't know the truth. The truth is very important. And nobody can lay hold of the truth without revelation. Amen. Jesus had established the five offices, the five offices, the apostles, the evangelists, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers. These are offices. Offices means I don't have to study for a sermon. The sermon comes to me. Because I've been laboring in the word, laboring in the word. That's my calling. So it's very, very important that you go after the teacher that God had put in your path. Amen. I don't just listen to anybody. I listen to where the anointing, the presence of God is. And most important, the rhema word is the truth. The truth, the truth that comes to set me free, free from sickness and disease, free from poverty, free from strife, free from selfishness, free from self-righteousness, free from all the addictions of the enemy, free from all the temptations of the enemy. Not only am I free, as for me and my house, that we will serve the Lord. Amen. God will give you the desire of your heart. It's the victory of righteousness over evil. You know why David said, fear no evil, for God is with you? Why? Because righteousness always triumphs over evil. You don't have to be fearful of demons. You don't have to be fearful of ghosts. You don't have to be fearful of wicked people. Why? Because you serve the righteous God and righteousness has been deposited into your spirit. Can we say amen? That's why when the enemy comes against you one way, have to flee before you seven ways. Can we say amen? It is our privilege, it is our honor to be a Christian. It is our privilege and our honor to have a church that serves the Lord. Can we say amen?
If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, how many of you have heard of a nation that's going to rewrite the Bible? You know, China is going to rewrite the Bible. He had already said that. He's going to rewrite the Bible. He's going to change the words so that, you know, the Bible is no longer exalting, lifting up Jesus, you know, but lifting up the government. He can, have, he can allow you to have the words that say, love your government, love your husband, love your wife, love your brothers, love your sisters. But he does not allow you to have the words that tell you or connect you with the power of God. He doesn't mind you talking about God, but he doesn't like you to hear God or to speak God. The truth is very, very important. Don't ever be a Christian who doesn't know his Bible. Don't ever be a Christian who doesn't know the truth. It is not enough. You must know the Bible for yourself. Can we say amen? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. It is so important that we have good doctrine. It's so important that we know what faith is. It's so important that we know that as believers, we have authority over the evil one. It is so important that you know the word of God is the sword of the spirit. That you can draw that sword against the devil. Amen. That you can cut off. Cut him off, all his yokes, all his bands that try to tie people up. Can we say amen? Amen. It's so important that with the word in you, that you can stand up and face the devil in his face and rebuke him and cast him out. Can we say amen? It is so important that during the end times especially, that you don't cave into the spirit of fear. Because in you, there is no fear, but power and love and a sound mind. And you don't get to that if you don't have the word. Jesus is the word speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is the word talking to you. It's the word that gives us signs and wonders and miracles. It's the words that gives us prayers that raise the dead and heal the sick. Can we say amen? So the word is so, so important. Amen. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In the latter times, this is a prophecy. In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We're living in the days and the times, you know, there have been a lot of celebrities, you know, that have openly renounced their faith. They had openly renounced their departure from the truth, their departure from God. It's important for you to choose who you are following. Are you following the crowd or are you following the Lord? Are you following the word or are you following the crowd? Do you always need to look for somebody to affirm you? Do you always have to follow the crowd? Follow where there's lots of people, that's how you feel safe and secure? We need to know one thing. The church is always the minority. Because Jesus said the way is narrow. You will always the minority, but the minority will win over the majority. The crowd is always wrong. If you would spend time and listen to God and pay the price of obedience, 
you will not be wrong. And you won't be wronged, neither. Can we say amen? The word of God, understand there's a difference between a spirit-filled practicing Christian and a Christian who is suffering from scrupulosity. What is scrupulosity? Scrupulosity is a fault-finding spirit, always finding fault with you. There's something wrong with you. You're not good enough. And the word of God becomes condemning. The word of God is condemning you. Saying you that you're not saying to you that you're not good enough. You haven't done this right. You haven't done that right. You don't really enjoy the presence of God. He's more like an obligation to you. He's like a master and you are a slave to him. That's not Christianity. Christianity is where the freedom flows. It's the spirit of freedom. It's the spirit of love. The word of God has the power to make you what it says you are. Amen. The word of God says that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the minute you read that word, the minute you hear that word, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. All the old habits are gone. All the addiction left you. Remember, that's what happened to Terry Walker. He was a heroin addict for so long, but as soon as he got born again, what happened? All things passed away because he completely believed the word. I was a stupid person, very stupid and self-conscious, but I'm not like that anymore. Why? Because the word had become my life. That's how I live. The word of God will make you the person that God said you are. The word of God will make you do what you think you cannot do. So if the word of God says you lay hand on the sick and they shall recover, don't doubt that. Don't doubt it. Don't say that I'm not good enough. You lay hand on the sick and you believe that they recover. Can we say amen? Amen. You do your part. God will do his part. You tread on serpents and scorpions, the bad thoughts that come to you, pornographic thoughts, fearful thoughts, anxious thoughts. You tread on them. You tread on them. You renounce them. You rebuke them. You refuse them. Then what happened? They die. They can't talk to you anymore. They can't be alive in your environment anymore. Devils fear you. Why? Because there's power coming out of you. There's power coming out of you. There's power coming out of you. And that's what the church is for. It's to give you the power, to give you the word, to give you the rhema word, to give you the word. Can, can we say amen? Now go with me to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10. Look at this. With all the deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish. Okay, so they perished because they were deceived. They turned away. What's the reason? What's the reason? Because they received not, what? The love of the truth. The love for the word. The love for the truth. There are many Christians, they will go after signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, they can be miraculously healed, completely healed. But the next minute, they forget about God and they just continue to pursue their own ambition, what they like. Why? Because the love of the truth was not in them. 
So lift up your hands and receive the love for the truth. This is the most important in our life. This is the essential element. Lift up your hand and receive, Lord, the love for your word, the love for the truth. Amen. Glory be to God. I told you already, you know, one day I woke up and I felt, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. And the Lord said to me, yes, you are very, very blessed. I said, yeah, I know. I'm very, very blessed. And, and the Lord, you know, just moved and moved me. And I said, yeah, because, you know, ever since I got born again, I love your word. I love your word so, so much. I love your word so, so much. So much. You have blessed me with the love for your word. Hallelujah. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you want to be blessed? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 